All right, I believe we are live. So here we are with the first ever live episode of what not up, what up? the next big thing HQ, but of this week in crowdfunding, something we've been planning on doing live for couple weeks now and uh we're excited to take the first step into doing a live show so here we are this week in crowdfunding it was uh you may not think it was a very eventful week but it was pretty eventful some really interesting stories and three in specific that we want to get through um so the first story we're going to touch on uh deals with the interview we released on monday we had a doxy chain interview released on monday and that was quite possibly one of the most fun I've ever had doing an interview uh, during our time doing this podcast. And not only was it fun, but it was super intriguing. And yeah. I want to go out there before we start anything and thank Ian and Vicky and the team over at DoxyChain for how awesome they've been. And uh, we are rooting for them and uh, their product is uh, seemingly going to make great strides in the industry. So I want yes. to make sure we introduce that. Um, but the article we're dealing with, and if you want to click in the description and follow along, uh, deals with tokenization of equity crowdfunding. And um, I think it's an interesting kind of inflection point for the industry um, because I think the last fresh in people's minds is the crypto craze of 2021-ish, let's call it. And um, I think when a lot of people think of tokenization, that's the first thing they think of. And um, I think that's going to be a big hurdle for people to deal yep. with, um, just mentally more than anything. But that does not mean that the underlying technology does not have um, incredible capabilities. So I'm interested to see what you think about this, Connor. I don't know much about tokenization. I'm still um, pretty naive in that area. I've been trying to learn a lot, but I will say I was talking to one of the speakers at, in a, at a New York Tech Week event, I guess this was two weeks ago, and I said, asking him about Bitcoin, Bitcoin blockchain technology. And he was telling me, I don't know if you've seen the news, but BlackRock just released a Bitcoin ETF. Mm -hmm. And I promise I'll connect it with tokenization at some point. But so BlackRock just released a Bitcoin ETF. And why is that so big? Well, that's so big for Bitcoin because before before the ETF, institutions could not invest in Bitcoin because of the laws and regulations. They couldn't legally take someone else's money that gave them someone else's funds, the people that gave those institutions money and invest it in Bitcoin because they would have to then create crypto uh, crypto wallets and stuff like that. And that was against the regulations. Right. But with this BlackRock ETF, they can invest now in the ETF because that's within the regulation. So the implication that has is all these institutions are now going to pump billions of dollars into this BlackRock Bitcoin ETF, which then BlackRock is then going to send into Bitcoin. So now you finally have a cryptocurrency that is getting institutional money. Now, how I why I think this is important is because if BlackRock is creating a Bitcoin ETF, that means they see something in the future. They see a lot of use with Bitcoin, with, decentral, with a decentralized token. And they see the power of, I think, tokenization. I think that's how you call it. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out the impact it will have with crowd uh, equity crowdfunding, just crowdfunding in general. I think it will probably have an impact with how many different countries people invest from. Like for WeFunder, for example, they can't take, I don't think they can take foreign investment money. 
So maybe if they right. went through the tokenization, now you're creating a uniform token that it doesn't matter what currency everyone else is investing in. It's a token, it's a certain amount, and it doesn't matter where the money's coming from because it's the same token, it represents the same amount. So when I think of tokenization, that's where I think going forward, which then in return would expand the pie for equity crowdfunding. So in the end, I see the utility behind it. I still have a very naive understanding of everything. I'm trying to figure it out, but I mm -hmm. do see some sort of utility that can be used in the future that will grow the equity crowdfunding market. Yeah, and I think the point you touched on there is uh, one of them is the most important for me, which is access. I think that what especially DoxyChain's platform allows is just for more people and more eyeballs to access these investments, which is yeah. inherently what e equity crowdfunding needs to you know grow, right? Is yes. they need more people involved. Um, blockchain is an industry as a whole. I am, I've actually said this for a while. I'm a huge believer in the underlying technology, uh, crypto wise as relates to like the individual coins I've never really understood. And I think that's actually kind of a pretty widely held belief, but yes, 100%. Um, when Ian from Doxychain was explaining how his token, uh, how, how it would be used and why the token made sense it made sense to me then as to yes. the utility of that token. Um, if I take a sidebar for a second and talk about crypto, I mean, one of the best things about crypto that people have talked about experts per se, uh, I don't want to quote them individually because I don't remember who they were, but um, crypto, if nothing else, is a great avenue for diversification. It shows low correlation to the market in general. Yes. And Anybody that knows portfolio diversification, if you have an asset that has low correlation to other assets, you can increase, basically uh, lower the risk of your portfolio and the expected returns. So I understand that side of crypto enough to understand that if it has no other utility, maybe as an investor, that's what it is. Now, if you look on the equity crowdfunding side of it, I think what DoxyChain is doing is probably the perfect application of the technology for right. equity crowdfunding um, as it relates to, as you talked about, getting across borders, making sure that investments are accessible to everybody, expanding the ecosystem of equity crowdfunding. So I'll be interested to see if more players come into the game. Seems to me that DoxyChain is the leader right now in the clubhouse now it's very new but uh, i think they're the only one new. doing it. it it seems like it um so i encourage everyone out there to read the article and um you know make their own conclusions but uh as it stands right now i think that's that's when it comes to access i think that that's just the most important thing that tokenization will bring to the to equity crowdfunding and i do think blockchain technology we, we we've seen bits of functionality behind it we understand that there's utility behind blockchain technology i think the problem is was people were trying to make blockchain the forefront of whatever they're trying to do and in reality blockchain is going to probably be more of a behind the curtain type thing that really helps the production or the play if you want to keep this theater analogy going really reach the highest level possible but it can't be out there 
the one that's doing all the acting and the performance. It's the one behind the curtain that's making everything happen, that's doing all the logistics and making sure everything goes smoothly. And I think that's what we're going to start to see going forward. I think that's a really good point. And uh, I, I have to agree with you there. I think that blockchain technology in itself can play a part in these great ecosystems. Yes. I don't think it is the bell of the ball, but I definitely think behind the scenes, it can be the trustworthy technology that, you know, that, that it's marketed to be, that it's a trustworthy um, solution for, you know, for businesses and for, you know, ecosystems of this, of this type. So I have it can to be like, it can be like the Scotty Pippen, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, like, like it doesn't have to be the Jordan. It can be the Scotty Pippen, the but Tony the Scotty Pippen, right? He's dishing <laughs> exactly. it out. He's giving it to Ginobili. He's giving it to Duncan. You know, yeah. giving it to Kawhi Leonard that one year. So yeah, no, I I agree. Like you know, it's the distributor. It's what it is. Right. It's it, and it's you know, it's a trustworthy distributor. I think it's a pretty good analogy. So do you want to talk about the founders, what the French VC firm founders future? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was actually the most, the most interesting story of the week from my vantage point. Um, so French, a French venture capital firm, I don't want to get it wrong. Founders future just acquired an equity crowdfunding platform. Okay. So we've talked a lot about the, uh, difference between VC and equity crowdfunding. Now we see them almost getting married. Uh, the crowdfunding platform is called SoFund, S-O-W-E Fund, F-U-N-D. And uh, what do you think about this? Con? I think this is one of the more interesting things I've seen since we started this podcast. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the article had a good question. Why would a VC firm go downstream to acquire a crowdfunding platform? Right. Which I think when you read the article, you have to be thinking that, right? And they said that these partners, they've noticed two major trends, and I'm reading it from the article right now. The first trend is that there's a new generation of investors who want to get more hands-on, both in the public and private companies. They want transparency, and they want to invest in the real economy. And that was the big thing for me, that, quote, they want to invest in the real economy. And I think a lot of investors, they like investing in these corporations. They like investing in the stock market. But at the end of the day, those companies, they're leading the way, but it doesn't feel like they fully represent the economy because they're so big, right? Because they're so large. Now these startups, these smaller startups that you see on these crowdfunding platform sites, they seem like they represent more of the, the economy, like what the average company is trying to go through, what the average company is dealing with the average circumstances. And I think there's excitement behind that, right? It's a little bit of rooting and cheering for the underdog. It's a little bit of, I think this is a good idea. I think that it can figure out how to become a great idea. Or it's, this is a founder that I like, and I've seen him, whether it's emails he sent out because I've invested in him and they send out investor um, updates or he's been on podcast, you name it. But I think that's really interesting. And the, the second approach was that um, they said that it's their job with the fund to be very professional and very disciplined in its day-to-day -day approach. And we can bring these methods to a company involved in crowdfunding financing. And it's true that this hasn't been done much, which to me, I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out and understand that. That almost sounds more like an advisory, advisory type role. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting too. And maybe, you know, that might be a good point. Maybe there's a lot of these 
founders that have that are raising capital through crowdfunding platforms and they're raising money but they don't have the the right advisors the right people in their corner giving them guidance and maybe if they had a little bit more guidance they could grow a little bit more or make that one right move right so it's i think that is very interesting and you know it's it's exciting when you see a vc firm acquiring a crowdfunding platform so tell me what you think about it yeah yeah so my brain went a completely different way but i want to talk about what you just said um about the advisory role i think that's an interesting way to look at it because when you're raising through equity crowdfunding you really don't have any guidance right when right. you raise a vc round or even an angel round right not to say that angels aren't a part of equity crowdfunding rounds. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. But um, you have people by your side that are helping you through the process and through the next stage of your company, right? The yes. leaders on the cap table are the leaders that are helping you through the, you know, the next months or years until your next round or IPO, whatever. A lot of equity crowdfunding companies are missing that. Right. Like yes. if you think about it, just in the bare bones of what happens. Yeah. Like they don't have that. And, and I think that that's an interesting perspective to take that. And I don't know if this is actually what they're doing, but like we can sit there and now we can help advise these companies, you know, through and maybe help them be more successful. Yeah. Um, now, the way my brain went, which kind of has a little bit of connection, but um, my brain went to. In this environment, it's been tough to raise VC money. So there's a lot of good startups going to equity crowdfunding now. Right. So maybe they're looking at it and saying, let's buy an equity crowdfunding platform. And it's just another form of deal flow of VCs, uh, of startups that maybe we've missed. Now, also, you could connect that to the advisory role and say that these yes. are startups that we may have missed or, um, Mist is kind of saying that they're not good enough. Like that's not true. Like usually these equity now these equity crowdfunding startups are are, are pretty reputable. But um, now we're allowed now we're able to have a more hands on approach to these companies that are choosing this round of financing, and may be able to get in in their next round and be able to create relationships yeah. with them. Um, I think it's a great strategic strategic move. I, I I mean, I don't know much about the, I think it was French, right? French company, yep. a French VC. Yep. Like, I don't know much about the French startup ecosystem, but uh, it seems like a pretty, pretty good strategic move. Well, and I want to add to what you said, which I think here's the other element too. So when you're, when you're a founder, you're raising VC capital, you get to choose what capital you get from VCs and you want the VCs. It's what value do they add? What's the, what's the value add, right? Well, now with this VC firm, they say, okay, you take our money, we take a piece of equity, but then we can also get you in on this crowdfunding platform where you can set the terms with whatever you want so you can raise more capital. And that's some more value add that that VC firm can then offer compared to other firms where it, in a way, I don't want to say it's uh, like revolving credit or commercial paper. It's just a way for, it's another optionality there's another option that these founders now have to raise more capital when they need it right right and right. not have to constantly rely on whether it's loans from the bank vc right. funding right so Bridge it's, rounds whether it's stuff like exactly. that they can do that quickly and 
we've talked about D2C brands on this podcast, you know, you know till, till we can't talk anymore. But like, if you're a D2C brand, right, and you're raising through this VC, and then you're also able to get the equity crowdfunding benefit of letting your customers be a part of your brand or growing your advocacy. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's a double win. I mean, I, the more I talk about it, it kind of seems like a no brainer. (laughs) We'll have them on. We'll have them on. What's it is founders future. Yes. Founders future. And then so fund. I'd love it. If either of them are out there, uh, hear this or watching or love listening. to have them on yeah love just talk about it because talk about it's it. a very it's interesting, interesting approach yeah, interesting and uh first of its kind that i've seen obviously drop in the comments if we're missing a uh, vc fund that's done this first but I, I think it's a really interesting move yeah um next story ready yep the metaverse, metaverse baby yeah one of those uh <laughs> buzzwords you heard in startup land like two years ago um, I'm not going to lie. I am, I am very convinced the metaverse will be a big thing. Not now, not two years from now, but five years from now. And part of the reason why I'm so convinced is one Meta's pumped so much money into the metaverse that they have to know or see something to continue to pump that much money into it. But two, that Lex Friedman, uh, Mark Zuckerberg interview. I don't yeah, know if you watched that. That was unbelievable unbelievable Unbelievable. and that's that's where it's at now just imagine five years from now so let's get into the story i just wanted to say that before yeah no i mean the story is kind of a two-part story that we kind of want to talk about there is the other verse u-t-h-e-r verse launching a 1.235 million equity crowdfunding campaign on republic um to continue exponential growth, which apparently they've had been doing really well. And uh, we'd also love to have anyone from the other verse on uh, to add to this discussion we're about to have. But there's also then the second part of the discussion, which is Meta, who, um, you know, the rest of their business. Yes. And I think we're not really getting into the fundamentals. What we want to get into is, is the bigger picture. And the bigger picture of it is what is the metaverse going to be and can these metaverse startups gain traction in equity crowdfunding and i agree with you i think that the metaverse has incredibly interesting applications especially for business and i say that because how many times have you heard of people having to fly six hours seven hours to europe to have face-to-face business meetings and you've seen through the Lex Friedman and Mark Zuckerberg interview, that you can pretty much get that feel by using right. their technology. How many millions of dollars, not millions, I mean, I don't know how much travel costs are, to be honest with you, for big corporations, but how much yeah. money could be saved by these corporations? By doing- I guess, so the question is, what's the difference between doing that and then just doing a Zoom meeting, right? So I right. think that's that's the real question. The price point of the Quest 3 is 1400 right? I believe it's 1400 Yeah, it's like a little bit over an iPhone, I think. Right. And, I, and so, again, at one of the New York Tech Week events, I was talking to a guy about Metaverse and just asking his opinion because he's very big in the cryptocurrency blockchain Metaverse area and knows a lot about it. And he said, 
that Zuck's approach towards the metaverse is perfect because Zuck is starting with games first. He's trying to get people hooked on the games before he then creates a social platform for people to interact. And that's because there's not enough people right now to create the social platform for people to be hooked on it. But when you play games, you usually play games by yourself. So if you can get used to the functionality of the metaverse and what it's like to be in the metaverse, it's an easy way to get early adopters in first. Before then you expand the pie, you expand kind of the opportunities and different ways you can use the metaverse into, let's just say like the Lex Freeman example, right? Where then you can start have meetings with people in person or maybe another social platform where it's like Sims, but you're walking around in the city and you're interacting with people you walk past without having to, you know, actually walk in the city. I thought that's a pretty interesting approach. I like it a lot. I never thought about it that way. But starting with games, kind of like starting with, uh, I guess, Pac-Man first. You start with Pac-Man, then you go to Donkey Kong, then you go to Halo, now you go to COD, now you go to Fortnite, right? So you just have to start with the basic one, which just one player versus the computer, and then you slowly grow the, um, the amount of people that adopt your technology since it's so new. And I was like, that's I'd never thought about that. It's a pretty but damn good explanation. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I like that a lot. Um, before we go any further, I did want to plug Otherverse a little bit. Uh, they are, this is a quote um, from the president of Otherverse. We are looking to consolidate all metaverse offerings across the entire Web3 space into a single interoperable platform that can leverage the entire community to provide the best in education, entertainment, business, fashion, virtual real estate, and other verticals. All very practical applications of the metaverse. Um, his uh, president's name, founder and president, Brian Schuster. Uh, our goal is to become that single platform upon which the next generation of the internet is built. Um, I think there are a ton of practical applications for the metaverse. Now, do I think it's, yeah, five years away, maybe minimum. Yeah, I agree with you. But I do think that is a very interesting thing that you said that it is such a disruptive technology that you're going to need to ease people into it. Like, yep. CM, like look how long it took people to adopt the iPhones. I mean, and, yeah. and yes, it's a disruptive technology, but, you know, it was Blackberries. <laughs> and then it was, you know, smartphones, right? And now it's iPhones in America, especially. Um, and it was flip phones before that. The metaverse really doesn't have like a prior comparable right like it's just right. the metaverse right like it's and if you don't play like ps5 or you didn't play on your like xbox connect right that's the only other thing i can think about that's like even remotely close to it right yeah like you have no idea what this is about and you know that's gonna take a while yeah you know so this is just an idea that popped in my head and i might get be getting a little too far-fetched but I can see a world, you, you see a bunch of these reports now where the CEOs, Jamie Dimon, uh, Steve Schwarzman, they're coming out saying people work from home, don't work as hard, we need to get people in the office. Well, one of these companies in the future, when it gets better, you can just put on the little face mask, be in the office with everyone else, getting your work done, but you're still working from home. So you still have that comfort. You're still kind of in your hoodie, your sweatpants. But when you put on that face mask, you go to work virtually and you're actually getting work done, even though you're in a virtual world, but you're with everyone, everyone's there in the office. You just 
don't have to commute, so you save that commute time. And then when you want to use the bathroom, you just take it off. Your little character disappears from the virtual world. Use the bathroom. You put your helmet back on. It pops back up in the virtual world. Oh, hey, Sally, you're back. Hey. <laughs> right? So it's like I see stuff like that, and I think at, at $1,400, there's a ton of possibilities, right? Apple's AR is going to be 3500 not a lot of possibilities just because that's a lot of money but $1,400 especially for a company I mean companies are shipping employees $2,000 laptops plus a thousand dollar monitors plus all these nice keyboards mouses right well what if they start doing that right what if they start doing that too instead of I don't know shipping off of I'm just saying later on down the road that could be something that happens and it still allows you to interact I mean, believe me, I, just as much as the next guy could sit here and talk about insanely cool metaverse applications, like I agree with you, like yeah. the possibilities is like, I think especially in the business world, because of all of the change and controversy going, going on with remote work and yep. the way of working and stuff like that, um, I think make it especially fun to talk about. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you can say that, but think about how long it's going to, like, if, if you're someone who works at a bank for 25 years, like how easily are you going to adopt to doing that? (laughs) Not easily. (laughs) Not easily. And, And I think that that goes back to your original point of like Zuckerberg and pop, probably most of these metaverse people now understand it's going to take a while. It's not that the technology isn't cool or useful. It's going to take a while because there's no, there's no precursor. There's no, right, right. there's no comparable to it. Yep. So um, I'm excited. You just got to get the out. early adopters in first and then see where it goes from there. Yeah. Yeah. But. I think that does it for this week in crowdfunding. The first ever live episode. I, we, we finally did it. Thank you. all Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening and supporting us. We appreciate it. We hope you're getting into the crowdfunding space as much as we are. We love doing it. We love interviewing these guests. Uh, we got a ton of amazing interviews coming out. So yeah, stick, like, stay tuned for those. The last like slate of guests has been amazing. Uh, yes. A couple great interviews coming up that we'll be releasing in the coming weeks. So keep liking and subscribing and thank you for supporting us. And uh, as always, we will see you next time. Yeah. So and, and real quick, let us know if you want us to interview, if you oh, invest yeah, in a go, company, you want us to yes. interview in the founders, or if you're interested in a company, let us know. We'll get them on. I'm really good at doing LinkedIn cold reach out, uh, cold reach outreaches. So I'll make it work. Right. We'll guys. Make it work. Yes. But, Continue to be involved. The more you guys are involved, yeah. the more fun it is for us and the better guests that we can get. Um, yes. So thank you for supporting us. And uh, for Connor and for myself, we'll see you next time.